Welcome, friends. You are listening to the podcast for First Christian Church in Fort Myers, Florida. To learn more, join us online at fccfm.org. It is a blessing to be able to share God's Word with you today. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Welcome to First Christian Church. This month, the whole month of February, we are merging a parenting series with a financial sermon series, and we're calling it Teaching Kids to Win with Money. And two of the most important parenting axioms I've ever had to wrestle with are these. You reproduce who you are and you cannot give what you do not have. Now, I've just gotta be honest and say neither axiom is particularly encouraging for me, but each one is nonetheless true. You reproduce who you are and you cannot give what you do not have. Just as an apple tree cannot produce oranges and a grapevine cannot produce strawberries and a cat gives birth to a kitten, not a puppy, you reproduce who you are and you cannot give what you do not have. My son Jake, who is, he's 14 years old, and he is a relentless athlete. He is hardworking, he's disciplined, he's strong, and he's smart, and he's skilled, and, and he understands sports, and he understands what it takes to win, and the sport he plays is basketball. And he is a really good basketball player. Now, he's always going up against athletes that are six inches and eight inches taller than he is, and yet he's able to hold his own, and he's still very competitive. But he used to ask me all the time. He doesn't anymore. I think he's just given up on it. But he used to ask me all the time, Dad, do you think I'll be six feet tall? (laughs) And I know why he asked me that. It wasn't just a a basketball question. It, it It was a, Dad, you're not very tall observation. And then a wonder how tall I'll be question. And, and so he used to ask me all the time, and I'd be like, I mean, how do you answer that, right? Like, son, I don't know. I mean, you have a six-foot-tall uncle, and you've got a six-foot-tall grandpa, and both your brothers are five-foot-nine inches, and, and I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, son, you're probably not going to be six feet tall. <laughs> it's possible, I guess, but the truth is I cannot give what I do not have. And I reproduce who I am. And I don't have any height genes to give unless it's a recessive gene or something like that. So he's probably not going to be that tall. So anyway, we've, we've entitled this series Teaching Kids to Win with Money, but it includes us discovering how to win with money because if we want our kids to win with money, then we have to win with money too because we reproduce who we are, because we cannot give what we do not have, and because if we want good things for our kids, then we have to make things good for ourselves as well, because our kids will walk in our footsteps. And as I mentioned a few moments ago, that kind of scares me. Like, I want my kids to to emulate the best parts of me, not the worst parts of me. Can I get an amen? 
I want my kids to have all of my good attributes and none of my bad attributes. I want my kids to reproduce the good things in me and reject the bad things in me. That would be great. But that's not what normally happens. We reproduce who we are. And if we want our kids to win with money, then we have to start winning with money too. And so, so far in this series, we've shared several crucial financial lessons. Week number one was learning how to work, where we discovered how to work hard, and we also discovered how to work healthy. And then week number two, that was last week, that was living on a budget, where we discovered the importance of budgeting and, and living beneath our means and stuff like that. And week number four, that's next week. Next week, we'll talk about leaving a legacy, because Proverbs thirteen twenty two says, a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. But this is week number three. In week number three, we're talking about leaning into generosity. And our big idea for today is this. If we want our kids to win with money, we have to lead them to lean into generosity. Why do we want our kids with money, to win with money? Well, because we want good things for our kids. And why do we want to lead our kids to lean in a, into generosity? The answer is because good things happen to generous people. And if you're taking notes, you might just write that down. That's the first thing, the first point today. Number one, good things happen to generous people. And this is a principle we see woven all throughout the fabric of Scripture. It's found both in the, the Jewish Scriptures, the Old Testament, also found in the Christian Scriptures, the, the New Testament. And it's this principle that good things happen to generous people. As we mentioned in the previous weeks, all the principles from this sermon series, they come from the, the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. But they're also affirmed in the New Testament, and therefore they apply to us today as Christ followers. Let me give you an example. This is Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24 and 25. It says, one person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper, but who, and whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. That's the Old Testament. And then in Luke 6, 38, New Testament, Jesus said it like this. He said, give and it will be given to you. That's a principle of generosity. It's not just about money. It's about mercy and grace and forgiveness and kindness and love. Give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It will be poured into your lap for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So Old Testament proverb, good things happen to generous people. New Testament Jesus, good things happen to generous people. Now, we've been learning throughout this whole series how the Proverbs are a literary genre called wisdom literature. And we, we've also been learning that, that wisdom is not what always happens. Wisdom is what normally happens. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6 says, start children off in the way they should go. And even when they're old, they will not turn from it. Now, is that what always happens? Or is that what normally happens? That's what 
normally happens. And that's how wisdom works. And wisdom says good things happen to generous people. Now, the Hebrew word for, for gen, generous carries the idea of, of wanting to bless others, of someone who, who has a personality trait that just likes to shower others with blessings. You ever met somebody like that? Like, they're just, they're just always just blessing other people. They're just always generous with everything. Today, we would say it's the person whose love language is giving. And so the Proverbs in the Old Testament teaches, and Jesus in the New Testament teaches, good things happen to these, these people whose love language is giving, who love to shower other people with blessings. And if we want good things for our kids, we need to lead them to be like that, to be generous people. Several years ago, I was, I was at a gathering of pastors from all across the country, and, and a man named Ken Eidelman was preaching, and, and Ken was the president of one of the colleges I graduated from, and his son Kyle is the lead pastor of one of the largest churches in the country. He does a lot of small group videos and curriculum. If you're in a small group here at FCC, you probably use some of his curriculum. You've probably seen Kyle, but Ken has been awfully successful at everything he's done, from college president to church pastor to author and nationally recognized speaker. He's also been an incredible husband and father, and he has been in ministry for decade upon decade upon decade with never even a hint of scandal. Incredible man. And his kids, and I just mentioned Kyle, but his kids are all world changers. And so we were at this conference, and he was just sharing some of his, his, his wisdom. It's just like he was reflecting on his lifetime in ministry and, and giving us as pastors some things to consider that he had learned from a lifetime of high-impact, highly effective ministry, as well as being just a, a, an excellent husband and father and grandfather. And in his message that day, I remember that, that Ken made the following observation about parenting and about society, and it, and it stuck out to me, and I wrote it down and he said this, he said, you know, we, we as parents teach our kids how to earn money and we teach them how to spend money, but we don't often teach them how to save money or give money. And when he said that, I thought, that'll preach. It's like four sermons right there. <laughs> and so two weeks ago, we talked about earning money and Last week we talked about spending money, but we're not stopping there. Next week we'll talk about saving money, but this week we're talking about generosity. We want our kids to be generous. We want to teach generosity. We want to model generosity because we want our kids to be generous. Why? Well, because number one, good things happen to generous people. Here's another reason. Number two, you honor God when you live generously. And that's an even better reason to give, by the way. The first reason we teach our kids generosity is because good things happen to generous people. But the second reason is far better. It's even better. You honor God when you live generously. Proverbs 14 31 says, whoever is kind to the needy does what? Honors God. That's right. Whoever's kind to the needy honors God. Now, what does it mean to be kind to the needy? Well, it means you help them. Sometimes it means you help them with money. Other times it means you help them in other ways. When you are generous to the poor, that honors God. 
Likewise, when, when we make it a financial priority to give to our local church, that too honors God. And I have to be honest, as I, as I just think about my own parenting and, and parenting I see all around us, I, I don't think we actually spend enough energy and effort teaching our kids specifically to honor God. I mean, we teach our kids and we're teaching them all the time. And, and of course, we teach them to do their homework and we teach them about the importance of academics and, and we tell our kids, you have to go to school and we make for darn sure our kids never miss a band practice or a basketball practice and, and, and we make our kids take baths and we make them brush their teeth and eat their dinner. But do we give that same kind of energy to our kids' spiritual health? And isn't it even more important to teach our kids to honor God? Now, most of us in this room, we're, we're believers, we're Christ followers, and we say, yeah, well, of course, of course that should be our priority. But the question becomes, if we start self-evaluating, do our habits, do our activities, do our decisions, do our voices, do our calendars, do our bank accounts say honoring God is our priority? Proverbs chapter three, verse nine says, honor the Lord with your wealth with the first fruits of all your crops. And a giving principle we see here as well as elsewhere throughout the Bible is this idea of first fruit giving. And we say, yeah, you should give out of the first fruits. And we say, but what does that mean? It means that we give God the first of everything. One of my good pastor friends, he says it like this. He says, we honor God by giving him our first fruits. And then he defines first fruits like this. He says, we give God the first part of every day, the first day of every week, the first word in every decision, the first priority in our schedule, the first portion of our income, and the first place in our hearts. You know, we want our, our church to be a disciple-making church, a church that's all about following Jesus. And, and we even outline what we believe from Scripture is the best path to spiritual growth, the best path to discipleship, and what, what we like to call the ABCs of discipleship. And we have this huge ABCs of discipleship graphic out in the lobby, and we talk about it every Sunday morning at some point in our Sunday morning service. And we want every person in our church and every ministry within our church to always have in mind what the path the discipleship looks like. And this C in the ABCs of discipleship stands for contribute sacrificially to our church and our community. Why? Because generosity is fundamental to following Jesus. And, and so it's not just about money, it's about honoring God and being like Jesus. Here's another reason to, to lean into generosity because generosity opens doors once closed. And that's number three. Generosity opens doors once closed. And why do you think husbands buy their wives flowers to apologize for stupid decisions or thoughtless words? The answer is because generosity opens doors once closed closed. 
I know of a, a pastor from Kentucky, and this was many years ago, who whenever anyone, whenever someone at his church had a problem, whether it was with him or, or with the church or whatever it was, he would, he, would, uh, he would find out about it, and then he would, he would go to KFC for a bucket of chicken. And then he would knock on the front door of the person with the problem. And, and, and no matter how angry they were, when they would open the door and they say, see their pastor standing there with a bucket of chicken, what are you going to do? Close the door? And so they would, they would let him in and they would accept his gift of a free chicken dinner and they would work through the problems between them. And he was famously known as the KFC pastor. And there was actually a time that he was perhaps the most famous man in all of Kentucky. True story. Why do you do that? Because generosity opens doors once closed. And also because eating together is just this worldwide symbol of acceptance and reconciliation. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 16 says this, a gift opens the way and ushers the giver into the presence of the great. A gift opens the way. Some of you have closed doors in front of you and you've cried over those closed doors and you've prayed over those closed doors and you tried to pry open and knock down those closed doors. And I just wonder, have you tried generosity? Have you tried a bouquet of flowers or a bucket of chicken? Have you tried embracing a posture of generosity? Generosity opens doors once closed. That's number three. Number four, generosity changes things. It really does. Generosity changes things. You can change your city through generosity. Here's the thing. You're not going to change your city being opinionated. You're not. And you're not going to change your city by complaining on Yelp. And you're not going to change your city by being woke or anti-woke or anything else. And you're not going to change your city by being a partisan political junkie. But you will change your city by being a Christ-like neighbor. And that includes generosity. Proverbs chapter 11, verses 10 and 11, 11 says this. When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. When the wicked perish, there are shouts of joy. Through the Blessing And this idea of blessing, we already mentioned, it carries the idea of generosity. Through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. But by the mouth of the wicked, it is destroyed. Now, why would a city rejoice when the righteous prosper? Here's the answer. Because righteous people are generous. And let me say that even stronger. Because righteous people are always generous. In fact, there is no such thing as a righteous person 
who's not generous. When the righteous prosper, that's good for everybody because they're going to be generous with their prosperity. They're going to they're put people to work and they're going to invest in their community and they're going to give to those in need and to church and to, to charity. You know, it's our mission here and we, we say it every week at FCC. It's our mission to connect all people to Jesus and each other. We believe that by loving God and loving our community well that, that we can connect people to Jesus. And as we lean into this mission, we believe Jesus can transform our city. But how many of you know it takes financial resources to have a healthy church? To connect people to Jesus to love our community well, to support mission work around the world, we have to be financially healthy to do so. So we can change our church through generosity. We can also change ourselves, our families, our city, our nation, our world through generosity. See, generosity doesn't just open doors that were once closed. Generosity changes everything. Number five, you receive more when you release more. Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24 and 25 says, one person gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. And just key for a moment on the word then. When you honor the Lord through generosity, then your barns will overflow with a healthy harvest in your vats with new wine. When you do one, honor the Lord through generosity, the other follows. And then you might ask a question, you might say, well, does this, does this always happen, like every single time? Well, I am not gonna sit here and say it always happens. Remember, this is a proverb, and proverbs are wisdom, and wisdom is what normally works. We understand that, right? But this is what normally happens, and I've seen it in my own life, and I've seen it in, in some of your lives, and I've seen it over and over again throughout the years. I've seen how God takes care of generous people. God meets the needs of generous people in incredible ways. So let me share two ways that you can be generous in the weeks to come. Two really practical opportunities. First of all, you can support us as a church in supporting ends of the earth cycling. Now, there are several members of our church and several members of our church staff, including myself, we're raising funds for a missionary endeavor in Southeast Asia through the ministry called Ends of the Earth Cycling. And how it works is to raise funds, we're gonna cycle to raise awareness of the need. We're gonna cycle all the way from Fort Myers to Key West, which is a 300-mile bike ride. And uh, we are already training and we're getting really excited. It's a month out, we're working hard, but we need you to help us with the fundraising part. And this year in particular, all those funds are gonna be directed primarily toward student ministry, and that would be teenagers, reaching teenagers with the gospel in Asia. And a way that you can help is you can go to our Church Center app and you can click the link for Key West Bike Ride and you can give there. That's a temporary opportunity here in the next month. 
More permanent opportunity for you to be more generous is by setting up recurring giving to FCC through our website for 2023. And if you were to ask me, Matt, what's the best way to give here at church? I would say the best way is electronic recurring giving, very best way to give. And if you're new to FCC, you don't know this, but this is the reality. We, we don't guilt you into giving here and uh, we don't even pass the plates. And we don't have many sermons on money or generosity through the year, but we do want you to give generously and cheerfully just like the earliest followers of Jesus did. And again, the very best way to do that, recurring giving, weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, whatever works best for you. Here's how I do it. I have mine set up to come out once a month, automatically debits on the first day of every month. And so my first two payments every month are my tithe, 10% of my income, and my mortgage. First two, every month. By making it automatic, I don't have to worry about it. I just set it, I forget it. I don't have to juggle financial priorities. It comes out first, and then I have to live on what's left. And so our tithe gets paid every month before anything else. We're talking about this because of, of where we are in our calendar year and just wanna share with you what's ahead of us, the exciting things that are ahead of us. And to help communicate that, uh, we have two documents available for those of you who would like these things. There are annual reports on all the communion tables in the lobby that show the growth that we've experienced as a church over the past five years, in large part because of your generosity. And then there's also a ministry plan. There are pamphlets at our information desk that shows our church budget for 2023. And if you're interested in either of those, you can grab an annual report from the communion tables. And if you wanna see the budget, uh, you can stop by the info desk. But it would just be a huge win for our church if we could fully fund our ministries in 2023. And if we could get as many of you as possible to set up recurring giving, that would be a huge win for our church as well. And speaking of winning, and, and this is number six, and this is our last point for today. Why do we teach our kids to lean into generosity? Because generous people win in the end. We want good things for our kids, amen? We wanna teach our kids win with money, yes. And we need to teach our kids to learn to work hard and work healthy. That was two weeks ago. And we need to teach our kids to, to live on a budget and live beneath their means and as much as possible, stay out of debt. We talked about that last week. We wanna teach them to leave a legacy by preparing well for the future. We're gonna talk about that next week. Don't miss next week. We wanna teach our kids to lean into generosity. That's today. Wanna win with money? Lean into generosity because generous people win in the end. Proverbs chapter 25, verses 21 and 22 says this. If your enemy is hungry, what's that next word? Give. If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If your enemy is thirsty, give him water to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head and the Lord will reward you. I wanna heap burning coals on the heads of your competition. I wanna win against your enemies. Don't heap burning coals on their heads. Just be generous. And God will reward you. 
That, my friends, is how you win. You win by leaning into generosity. Remember that quote earlier from Ken Eidelman that kind of inspired this series that, that we teach our kids how to earn and we teach our kids how to spend, but, but we don't often teach them how to save or how to give. Well, Ken said this, and this is just something really practical. He said what he did with his kids, uh, he gave them chores. Of course, he, he allowed them to earn money and each of his children got three jars and one third of what they made could go into one jar. It was the spending jar and then one third of what they made it would go into another jar that was the savings jar and then one third of what they made had to go into a giving jar and uh, they would give away one third of everything they made. Now, I'm not asking you to do it Ken Eidelman's way. I'm just asking you to do something to teach your kids to lean into generosity. And of course, it all starts with you modeling that behavior yourself. And remember, Jesus modeled generosity for us by giving his life for us. He died for us. Let us live for him. Let us live generously. Heavenly Father, I wanna thank you for generously giving to us, giving us life, giving us love, giving us your son and our savior, Jesus, giving us your spirit to live in us and to guide us, giving us wisdom for living from the scriptures, giving us the ability to earn and save money and to give generously. God, lead us to be a generous people. Lord, may we be known for our love and our generosity. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. If we can pray for you or encourage you in any capacity, please let us know at FCCFM.org.